We are in the book of Mark. Good morning. Uh, good morning. And uh, we're in the book of Mark, and I... Every week I'm kind of uh, a little bit wanting to uh, make sure that you're like up to speed, you know? We have big, we constantly have visitors from out of town, and, and I'll tell you, like, how do I bring you up to speed so you know what's going on? And, and uh, I'm not really going to try that hard to do that today. So, uh, because it just, it's just, but I want you to know this. I want you to observe this structure. Uh, Mark is very intentional. We believe Mark to be a, uh, directly coming from Peter's recollections. But he has, a, he organizes his material he organizes his material, uh, uh, his, his stories and the teachings. He has an organizational principle, and we've seen it come up again and again. But right now, he, we are in the set of twos. Twos. Yeah, it doesn't work. Uh, the set of, two, of twos. And what we observed was... In a kind of a wonderful way, there's two feedings, there's two sighings, we're going to see one of them today, but there's also two healings that are remarkably similar in structure and application. So the set of twos has a significance in that uh, in the Old Testament law, how everything was settled by at least what? Two witnesses. See, there's a cleverness here. And... and and Mark's thesis that this is the Son of God, he is relentlessly, and we're going to sit in a set of twos, we're going to uncover the whole set. We still looked at the, looked at the signs uh, uh, two, two weeks ago. Tonight, today we're looking at the, the healings. So let's, let's read this text, and, and uh, I, I, I'm not, we're not reading the whole 731 to 821 this morning. We're just taking these two excerpts side by side so we can see them. And we can see there how deeply parallel they are. I want to, um, I'm going to, we're going to read, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to talk about it. So, uh, Mark 7, 31 to 37. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. That, that word there, speech impediment, only time it occurs in the New Testament. It's very rare. Only time it occurs in the old Greek translation of the Old Testament is Isaiah 35. Speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. Taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after speaking, Bidding, touched his tongue, and looking up to heaven, he sighed. That word sighed there only occurs about 11 times in the Old Testament in this Greek form, and one of them is Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35. So Mark has that text in mind. He sighed and said to him, Ephatha, which is Aramaic, that is, be opened, and his ears were opened. His tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. By the way, do you notice the, uh, the, uh, the accuracy that a lot of times a speech failure is a result of what? A hearing failure. 
And, and this is pre-scientific. This is, this, is, this is a very, very accurate sort of uh, understanding of how those are linked. His ears were open, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. He has done all things well. It's very notable because it sounds just like, just like Genesis 1, when God finishes creation, Remember what it says? And everything was good. All right, the next chapter, we'll jump to the, uh, the second healing. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people but they look like trees walking. Another footnote, this is, uh, this is act, very, very uh, medically accurate in the restoration of sight that, uh, that, uh, uh, that's happened even in, in the last uh, 20, 30 years, that, that the person can't identify what they see immediately. Then Jesus laid his, eyes on his, laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Let's pray. Father, um, as we, we, uh, we come to you seek, seeking uh, the way you open up the text, the way you open up the, 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 the preacher, the way you the way you. I, I, it's a, I guess it's a kind of a weird thing to ask, but um, I just wish you'd spit on all of us. <laughs> I, I, I want to be healed. I want, I want that tangible of a Savior. Anyway, um, we need the Holy Spirit. Open our eyes and uh, open our ears. In Christ's name, amen. I forgot to read that. How does Christ tell us we should listen to God's word? If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Amen. My first question, why healing at all? Why healing at all? Well, let's ask ourselves a very fundamental question. Why does this have to be? In other words, why is this the feature? Why is this such a central feature for Christ's ministry? Uh, I mean, you might say, well, that some of you, if you come from a Christian perspective, and you've grown up and you're fairly familiar with Jesus, you don't ask this question, right? You don't, you don't go, huh, you, you just, Jesus, that's part of who he is. But if you came at this kind of fresh and you didn't know who Jesus was at all, you might ask yourself, well, Why? Why does this have to be a feature? Why would this have to be, why, why would there have to be this kind of detail? And why, what's good, why? Why healing? And, and I think I'm, I want to go as far as to ask, you know, questions that we don't usually ask because, because uh, I think questions we don't usually ask have, have 
have, have answers that can provoke us, can, can provoke us to, to new knowledge of God and new worship. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm guessing. Because in the thesis that Christ is the Son of God, Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John are trying to prove it. One way to try and prove it is through healing. It's proof. And it's a proof that goes backwards and looks at it. And if you, the opening text we used for call to worship, that text is startlingly, accurately predictive of a, of, a, of a future moment when God is going to do something. He's going to do something amazing, and it's going to be, it's going to, eyes are going to, eyes are going to open, and uh, ears are going to be open. And, and so uh, by, even by the use of that special Greek word I was referred to, like Mark is actually using the exact same word that people would have known from that text. So they will link it together, and they will look back, and they will realize there's a proof. What, what kind of proof does this establish? Well, there is something going on then, right? There is something going on across space and time that points towards divine presence and power, right? I mean, you, you can't predict something a 1,000 years before. Uh, uh, Isaiah is 800 years before, seven to 800. And you can't, you can't say, okay, you have this predictive thing, and then it happens if there isn't some grander plan, right? The proof uh, has multiple different levels. It, it proves, it's meant to prove this thesis, <coughs> but this thesis implies eternal plan, eternal plans and purposes. And so the proofs, uh, it's it supposed to establish an authenticity to the entire, to the entire ministry. What's the second thing it does? It, ex, it, ex, it is meant to be a demonstration, not merely of some sort of material proof of prophetic utterance, but it's, it, it's not, it's, it's not like Jesus is acting. You know, does, does it make sense? It's like Jesus, I've got a script, I've got to stick to it. <laughs> it's not how he's living this. How's he living this? He's living, you hear the sighing. Uh, uh, the sighing, the sighing, uh, uh, English word sighing is not, uh, uh, not sufficient. It's grown, it's because a sigh can mean a, a longing in English, but in, in the Greek and the Hebrew, it does not mean that at all. It's the only the sign that has happens because of somebody's collapse inside the interior experience of grief. That's you know the, you know when you see somebody really when you see somebody on the street. How many on the street? I saw it today, and and her her pants were halfway down, and she's passed out on the. And there's a party just kind of goes, no. I don't like that. This is wrong. I see some, there's something here that kind of, that really gets me excited. And that, what's exciting about that is that, I, and I didn't see this when I was doing the notes, but it, it'll make sense in a second here, is that this proof about eternal plans and the, the immediate pity is a marriage of transcendence and imminence. Does that make sense? It's a marriage of like objective proofs of divinity and power, but, 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 but what is it? But it's a touch and it's immediate and it's, it's not abstract. But so anyway, that just hit me. But proof, pity, and promise. 
Deepak and I were, uh, we went to go see some stupid movie this week. What was it? Oh, yeah, I can't even, I shouldn't even, I shouldn't say what it was from the pulpit. It was that bad. <laughs> but, um, but, um, yeah, because it, it could sound like an endorsement. And, uh, but we walked out, and Deepak looks at me, and he goes, dude, I, I didn't like it at all because the trailers gave all the punchlines away. Don't you hate that? When the trailer tells you too much? Sometimes, uh, like, I, I, you know, all the Star Trek trailers for the summer coming out, and I, I close my eyes. I look down like this. Because I'm afraid they're going to tell me too much. I'm afraid I'm going to figure it out. I don't want to know too much. The trailer ruins it. This is, this occasion and work of pity and proving and the presence of his power is meant to be a promise. It's an eschatological influx. It's the end times of glory and the new creation now erupting into space and time now to tell you this is what it's going to be like. This is what he's going to do. This is where he's going. This is what he will finish. This is, it's, it's a trailer. <laughs> it's a movie trailer. It's a trailer about love. It's a trailer of anticipation. It's meant to get you to want to see the movie, <laughs> to want to be, to want to cash in on the, on the reality that's coming. And, and so uh, it's, uh, uh, heaven is, heaven is uh, heaven is bursting into space and time preemptively. In, in all of the promises of the kingdom. Ah, that's why healing. That's why. You know, and you keep in here in the, oh, the sighing. Oh. All right, so. Maybe sighing could feel like longing here, even, but. Why healing? Okay. But why? I want to ask another question. I'm going to go a step further. Uh, why the process? You notice there was a two-step process in both of these. Why the process? There's a two-step process in both of these healings as described. Uh, they come to him. Uh, they approach him. And he knows he takes each one aside, he, uh, and he, let, he, leads, he leads the blind man out of the village. He uh, takes the, uh, the deaf man aside privately, uh, and so, um, and then he does one thing, and then, that doesn't seem to quite do it, and he goes a little further. It seems to be what's going on. It's, it's a little odd. I, there's, there, you know, in some... There are, there are thousands of books about, thousands of books about uh, the book of Mark. And uh, it's very popular in a lot of modern interpreters to say that, you know, Jesus, uh, Jesus was trying a little bit of ancient sorcery with mud and spit. That's garbage. It just simply isn't true. But, but, but uh, just to give it one, just go a little further down that road, there isn't even any testimony that of ancient, an ancient actions of doing this. Trying to figure something out. Why the heck? This is not, and Christ is not making some farm, pharmaceutical prescription. Now look, if you get the right dirt and the right spit, 
you've got a healing, you have a healing potential for blind people. Now, that's not what this is about either. Uh, this, this actually, this is a real problem. Uh, maybe this was just a little too tough. That doesn't make any sense. Because uh, does anybody remember, does anybody recall what it takes for Jesus, what it takes in the story of Christ, in the Gospels, what does it take for uh, the little girl to rise up from death? Well, I just, Talitha Kum, get up. It's happened a couple chapters before. Anybody remember how difficult it is for Christ to raise Lazarus, who's been in the grave several days? Does anybody remember how difficult it was? What, well, how, what happened? Lazarus, come forth. That, that's it. So that doesn't make any sense. Oh, this is just a tough, tough case. No. Uh, this is a, no, I think there's something wonderful going on here. This is meant to have an actual pedagogical purpose. It's a, it is meant to teach something. And it's meant to teach, I, 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 without a question, that Christ can... Christ can instantaneously heal, and Christ can, and I've seen him move. Uh, one friend of mine, uh, uh, it, was just, it was like every, every desire in him changed, and it was a renewal that, that was amazing uh, when it came to drugs and alcohol. Then I've had other friends who came to Christ and pretty much stayed addicts <laughs> to this very day. In fact, that second story is a lot more common than the other. What, what, why, what? Christ is in, Christ has adopted a process of your sanctification. He has, a, he has adopted a process of humbling you in process. He has adopted a way, a means, uh, with intermediate causes. He has, he has, he has adopted, uh, the, you know, not only has God, he, adopt, he, he has chosen that he will continue to heal in the world, but he's going to use people like Mark to do it. He's going to use people like Dave, and he's going to have other parts and pieces combined. He is going, and, 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 and where you're being invited into, is, is perspective and patience with what? His process. Uh, and I know there's a longing in us that we want the instantaneous, there's a hunger, there's a, there's a kind of, you know, it's almost like a, like a built-in laziness. I, I just want Jesus to act, you know. Why isn't Jesus just done what I want? Why, why isn't it just happening? Why, and I, I get that. I've been there. I've felt that anxiety and that pressure. Um, it's, you know, it reminds me of, it's kind of funny, Augustine, this, this sterile idea about Christianity, that somehow Jesus just fixes everything, it's just, and God fixes everything, it's just, it is lazy Christianity. Uh, and it's also just based on some, on some bad ideas. And here's, it, it's happened in the ancient world. Augustine debated vociferously, very, very, very uh, ardently, that the six days of creation were not whole days. This is one of the greatest thinkers in, uh, in Christian history. And he argued that it wasn't a six-day creation because that implied God needed a whole day. It had to be instantaneous. God doesn't need process. You catch what he's thinking there? Now, and what that is, that comes out of his Greek worldview, and it comes out of his philosophical presuppositions, but he would, and that, that static 
very empty idea about God, we, 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 uh, we, get, we, get, we get tricked into it. We, we get fooled into it, and we're like, and, and, we, and, and, and what winds up happening is, you know, have you ever kicked the vending machine when, the, when, the, when, the, when it doesn't fall, you know? You put your quarters in, and the, the little spiral turns, and the little thing of Oreos doesn't quite fall. Has anybody had this happen? Yeah. yeah. And what do you do? You start kicking and shaking and moving. And that's, and that's, our, that's our vision of God. It's a description of, our, of a lot of our relationship. And, huh? Yeah, buy a second one. <laughs> Pop in more quarters. Uh, get more. These static, instant holiness concepts are completely inappropriate. And Christ here in, the, in, in this particular process of these healings is not betraying weakness. He's betraying his way. He's instructing you. So look around. I mean, it takes, a, it takes a long time to plant a church. It does. It's a process. It's agricultural models. These are not, these are not you know, it ain't, it ain't easy. It ain't easy. Let's get out of desiring it to be. Boy, that really is a statement to me. Uh, and you can feel free to, I don't often allow people to quote my sermons back to me. But you can always quote that one back to me. Didn't you say, Chris, that it's going to take a process? <laughs> I didn't even think about this, too. You know, getting God's process and not our own. All, all the different things we could talk about when it comes to process because this is a process generation. We'd love to, you know, you know what's sad about this? A lot of us would love to map this out as a way to get what we want, right? We would love to map this out. If we could, we could patent a good spiritual process by which we deliver, that's why I think he uses spit and uh, mud, because what the heck are you gonna do with that? <laughs> well, spit is strategic planning, <laughs> and mud is a good SWOT analysis. <laughs> All right. Uh, but that gets to the next thing. Why the spit? Why the spit? I, I don't have to tell you that I just love, I, you probably figured this out, uh, that, um, right, I'll try, is there anybody here that's going to get this? Uh, maybe. Uh, um, does anybody here know who Getty Lee is? What? Getty Lee and Rush. Does anybody know the band Rush? Yeah. All right, okay. <laughs> and and uh, does anybody know the song Tom Sawyer? <laughs> what you say about his company is what you say about society. Catch the witness, catch the wit, catch the spirit, catch the spit. <laughs> Who would have thought that, that Rush could preach the gospel. They certainly didn't mean to. <laughs> Today's Tom Sawyer's idea is this catcher of the, 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 of the, of the quintessential modern man, uh, as noble, this noble uh, and uh, uh, rebellious, independent spirit of Tom Sawyer, today's Tom Sawyer. But th there's something about catch the spit. Yeah, he says catch the spirit, catch the spit. Why the spit? I, is this my coffee? Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I, I love that Jesus' bodily fluids saved me. Jesus' bodily fluids saved the world. First of all, it, it just marries perfectly. He's, he's gutted. He's gutted by one of the centurions with a spear and blood and water flows out. Well, the blood of the sun is what covers me. There's an idea, rich, and it's a very ancient idea. It's a very primitive, almost like, um, almost uh, visceral, primeval idea that is absent in modernity and absent in some of our sophistication and our sophisticated Christian ideas, and that is this, only blood will save. Only the bodily fluids matter. It all comes down to blood, spit, and skin. Many ancient cultures still do this, and that's why you'll see and take a knife on a goat, and they, they live in it. We don't live like that. We don't, we, don't, we don't have access to that sort of visceral nature uh, uh, of spiritual life. The ancients did. So Christ's spit is a promise that his, he, he rescues he covers, he cleanses, he heals his blood, his spit, his water, his bodily fluids rescue us. <laughs> I love that. And I'll take it even a step further than that. I think Jesus spitting is, is even more, even, even more, it's just pure incarnation. Incarnate. What's chili con carne? Yeah, chili with meat. Incarnate. It's Christ in meat, in flesh, and in meat and in flesh means he's got spit, and he likes to talk about it. By the way, because he talks about it in Revelation, I do. I'll spit you out of my mouth. Apparently, spit's a big deal for him. I'm. I'm going to rejoice in that. Because what it means, what it, what it promises, how it, it delivers to us a Jesus who is not an abstraction anymore. One of the, one of the faults, and this is not a fault that happens in, mo in the modern world, it's a fault that happens in the Christian world, is to treat Jesus like his divinity, the Son of God thesis that is embraced by many Christians, is to treat that divinity like it was an enormous Tylenol like it was the ultimate Advil, and it made everything okay. <laughs> and, and spit and sighing, they, they were, that, by the way, that vision is completely false about Christ. He is fully human. He is, he is as given to a dry mouth as anybody else's. <laughs> he is as given to... To wanting to, to wanting to hawk a loogie sometimes just because of what's in your back of your throat. That's Jesus. And here he is leveraging that immediacy, leveraging that touch, leveraging that reality, and telling us, and Mark recording it, telling us, and Peter watching it, telling us, I beheld the glory of the Son of God. And he spat. I saw it. 
I beheld he who was born before creation, proved by a thousand years of, of testimony. And you know what he did? He spit and he touched the guy's mouth. That's kind of gross. And this is, a, this is an idea now being bridged. This is an idea I'm preaching. This is a thesis being proved that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man as the creeds proclaim him. And that something has happened in space and time. It has been proved. It anticipates a great glory to come. And it is here available today. You know, it's funny. There's a possibility that this Christ can come out of the board and into our lives out of abstract words and proclamation and into living community with your soul. You see, what we preach and what I preach and what the scriptures preach and what Mark hopes for is people will hear this and know that they can realize and perceive now with proof and this enormous pity and the, and the promise of this Savior that he is immediately available. Have I spit on anybody yet? My spit's not going to help you. So you see, the Son of God, in all of his glory, um, if this thesis be proved true, um, spiritual connection, community, forgiveness, and sin is all immediately brokerable. It's all immediately available to the heart. And it's what I want. And this is, this is the message. This is why it's recorded. And this is what I pray we will get out of it. Can somebody get me a tissue? I just, please, sorry. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for these, it seems like such humble, humble pictures of our Savior in, in process and and now we're learning that it was all meant to teach us and show us and connect to us and reveal to us what a magnificent Savior he is and what a magnificent Lord. I thank you for your word, and I pray that it would have new power in our hearts. Um, we, uh, we rejoice that you, have, you, would, be, you would prove um, what your son is, you'd have pity on us, and Show us the promise. We pray for that. The second part of this, this message, we, we ask for uh, help us understand the process we're in. I don't understand the process I'm in right now. Uh, help us to be patient and, and, and live with your purposes uh, in process. Help us to be a part of the process for others and not resent it and not, and not, uh, and not try to shortcut it. But having said all that, Father, uh, we do, we pray for the bodily fluids of, of your Son to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Help us to know what that is. Help new life to come to our, our church, our community, to our city. In Christ's name, amen. So on the night our Savior was betrayed, yes, What, what's up? Uh, Ricky's friend, Jesse, uh, has brain surgery in the future. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, actually, she sent me something about that on, in a text, too. 
Uh, what's, does we have a name for it? Uh, Jesse. Jesse. All right. Uh, Father, we stand in a place now, right now, for Jesse, and we will pray again as our prayer requests go out. Uh, we, uh, it seems appropriate now, having, having uh, looked at your word, that we would say, we'd ask for you to be in the process of healing uh, Jesse as we've asked. In Christ, amen. 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 All right, it's always fun to apply the sermon while you're, right after you preached it. This is the first application of the message here, and that is uh, the bodily fluids of Jesus save you from sin. Isn't that funny? The whole bodily, tactile fluid thingy, it's very rich. So on the night as we traded, he took bread and broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Take and eat. In the same way, he also took a cup of wine. He said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. For some reason, and I, I will not just, I think it's a very, I think the reason we began to see it today, Christ adopts extraordinarily visceral tactic, tactile images in order to make sure you know he is not merely divine. He is also flesh. But because he's divine flesh, divine and flesh, we can partake in him. Because he's greater than merely. There's something greater. And the Holy Spirit can bring Christ into this table. He even said, uh, whoever drinks my blood, and unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you can have no part of me. The early Christians understood this so, so earnestly and clearly that they were accused of cannibalism in the first century by the, uh, by the Romans. All right, so I want to encourage you to come to the table if you know this, this Savior. I want to encourage you, uh, you, know, you, know, you, know what, you know what heaven opens to? The feather touch of faith. How much faith did even these people show? They were like, some, some, one guy was brought by others. So my point being, I, you were invited to the table of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe in him, if you trust in him, if you know him, if you're a part of a community of faith with him and in him, this is your table. This is, this is a table for sinners, a people who need healing, a people who need a savior, a people who need Christ's bodily fluids to cleanse them from sin. Now, two people I want to address beyond that. Um, if you, there's a religious person who is very comfortable with Christ being divine and very comfortable with them being righteous. I wanted to say something clearly and carefully. You can't come to Christ if you think you're a good man. And I, I would, I'm going to say, say this this strongly. If you think you're a good man or a good woman and that's why you come to God, and that's how you come to God, then, uh, then you're not worthy of the table. How can I say this as graciously as possible? No good people are worthy of the table. Only sinners. And this, the third group, if you're a skeptic and you think this has been a bunch of hogwash, but you're kind of curious, maybe you're just watching me talk about this thing, saying, he seems, he doesn't seem like an idiot. Does he really believe all this? Then watch, watch, watch us partake the table. And uh, I hope you'll be provoked 
to uh, question, seek, and know what we proclaim. All right, the chaos begins now. I'm going to ask us what we believe. Uh, we, uh, we will uh, read the Apostles, or recite the Apostles' Creed together as we come forward. And then um, get the bread and the wine, and uh, we will uh, take it back to our seats, eat together, and we'll be done. All right, let's come. Oh, Christian, uh, please stand. Oh, grape juice is in the middle, the little triangle. The little bowling pin set up here of, of glasses <laughs> is grape juice, for those who prefer it, wine on the right and left. Tell me, Christian, what do you believe? I, I believe, believe in God, God the Father, Father Almighty, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. He said his body is good food, his blood is good drink, apparently his spit is good medicine. We need all of Jesus, amen? We need all of Jesus. We need all of him. We need all of him. I proclaim to you the forgiveness of sin, the Son of God, the healing of the blind and the sick, the proof of ancient prophecy, the reward of faith, the Savior of sinners has come into the world. Take and eat, he said. Do this and remember me. Take and drink. 